You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I am Kathy Biasa, your host, and I am a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. Today's show is number one of two, centering on exercise and health in the 40-plus years. And our guest for the show, for both shows actually, is Alan Meisner, and he is a National Academy of Sports Medicine Certified Professional Trainer, a Precision Nutrition Level 1 Coach, and a Functional Aging Institute Certified Functional Aging Specialist. He went on to earn specialties in fitness nutrition, corrective exercise, behavior change, performance enhancement, and online personal training. He launched 40 Plus Fitness Online Personal Training to help people over 40 lose weight and get healthy and fit. He is the host of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, for which he has interviewed hundreds of health and wellness experts with a wide range of specialties. This show, we are focusing on skeletal muscle, its influence on our overall health, why movement and lots of it is key as we move on in our years, and why building and maintaining adequate muscle mass is so important for our overall health as we age. Please do stick with us. We will be back in just a few minutes to speak with Alan Meisner. Sun don't shine, shine. Too many passing dreams, roll by like limousines. It's hard to keep believing when it pass you by and by. It ain't over yet, it ain't over yet, so I know your heart been broken. 
ain't finished yet Hold on, hold on, he'll get you through this Hold on, hold on, these are the promises I never will forget, I never will forget So hold on, hold on, the Lord ain't finished yet Hold on, hold on, he'll get you through this Hold on, hold on, these are the promises I never will forget I never will forget I know your heart been broke again I know your prayers ain't been answered yet You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. And Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kathy. So your, you know, your high-end focus here is on uh, the 40-plus group. What brought you to you know, land on this age group? Uh, well, I was this age. I am this age group. Uh, <laughs> yeah, once you forty plus, you're always forty plus. It's sort of a club. right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was I was in my late thirties and then into my forties, and I I was honestly in the most terrible shape, and it was really hard on me because I had been an athlete when I was younger, and I just felt like some, a big part of me was missing. And I know that some people, other people, they just realize if I don't do something, um, then I'm in big trouble. And what I found as I was trying to work my way through this puzzle of why isn't, why isn't the things I was doing before, why aren't they working for me now? You know, every time I try to do something I would do before, uh, it, it would either wouldn't work or I would break myself. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I've, I've got to figure this out. There was nothing out there. You know, there might be a book for people over 50, but it was, it was sit in your chair and do chair yoga. And it was stretching, you know, do more stretching. And I was like, I, no, I need to put on some muscle mass because I've lost muscle mass. I need to lose weight and I need to do these other things to get myself back to a base level of fitness to be the person that I believe I'm supposed to be uh, a father, a provider, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a spectator in my daughter's life. I wanted to be a participant and I want to be a participant in my grandchildren's lives. And, and so mm-hmm. to do that, I know that I, I need muscle mass. I need endurance. I need to be at a proper weight where my health is what it's supposed to be. And so I started trying to figure this stuff out and I, and I did a lot on my own. It took eight years and I thought this is ridiculous that it takes me what I consider a reasonably intelligent guy eight years to figure out how to get himself in shape. And there's really no resources out there. So I started the podcast. I started coaching people and getting them the same things that I had done for myself. 
and realizing, okay, there's, it's not that there's a formula here, but there is a way for us over 40 to begin getting ourselves trained up, eating the right way, sleeping a little better, managing our stress better. And we, we can in fact affect the aging curve and make ourselves look and feel younger uh, by doing these these little things. They're, they're little things and they're gentle nudges, but over time they have this great impact on our health and fitness. It's, it is common to lose muscle mass as we age, whether that is an aging process, whether it's a, a use it or lose it um, type of idea, changing diet, a whole bunch of things can contribute to um, our muscle mass loss. We're talking about skeletal muscle here versus the, uh, you know, the smooth muscle, the involuntary muscle here. Um, other than, you know, having the six pack, we know that muscle is there to help us move, to move us forward, to keep our bones in play, all these things. There is such a growing trend now into muscle medicine and the impact of having lean muscle mass, lean skeletal muscle mass. Let's go over the importance of why as we age, we need to maintain muscle mass. And let's start here perhaps with insulin resistance and insulin management, another plague that seems to be dominating in the health space. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, a, with a little bit of vanity, you know, wanting to look and feel <laughs> your best. I mean, you know, uh, people want to poo poo that and say, well, you know, no, that's not, it is realistic for you to, you know what it is. And better. it's well, that's well said. You know, and, and then the other side of it is there's just this functionality to this whole thing. Uh, so yeah, we're, I'm, I promise I'll get to insulin. I promise I will, but <laughs> there's also this functional thing of, okay, I want a pickle and there's a jar of pickles in the cabinet and you go and you grab that jar of pickles and you try to open the jar and you can't open the jar and you get the little rubber glove tool thing that you've used before and you, you can't open the jar. And so now you decide you don't want pickles and that's a loss of independence. You're going to have to wait for someone stronger than you to come open that pickle jar for you. And that's not a place you want to be because that's the beginning of needing help for every function your body's ever going to need to do. And the reason this is happening is a thing called sarcopenia. I think a lot of women have heard about osteopenia or osteoporosis where they're losing their bone mass. This is the same thing for muscle it starts happening around the same time. And so we start losing our, our muscle. We start losing our bone. And I think you've seen it. If you look around you see the, the little, old, we call them little old women because they get smaller, their shoulders get smaller, their bodies get smaller and they start to almost kind of cave in a little bit. And that's osteopenia and that's sarcopenia over time with us doing nothing about it. We're just living our lives and letting it happen. Now, the internal stuff, the health stuff, and this is, you're right, this is actually probably the most important part of this and also the, the, the least understood and the least that we do and care about. But in the end, it is it is about staying alive and doing the right things is when we do work, we use the sugar, we call it glycogen when it's in a muscle and liver, 
when we do anything. So you're walking to the grocery store, you reach up and you grab that jar of pickles that you bought and you're putting it into your cart. Um, all that movement is burning uh, sugar in your muscles and your liver. We call it muscle glycogen, liver glycogen. You're burning that glycogen to do that work. Okay. So every movement you do with a muscle, uh, moving the, moving the bones is, is a movement that's burning that sugar. And so if we do enough of that, then we need to replenish that. And that's one of the main jobs for insulin. So we then, after we do this movement, we get home and let's say we're still able to open that pickle jar. We have that pickle. Now there's some carbohydrates in the pickle. And when we eat the pickle, our body takes those carbohydrates and says, Hey, let's put it in the blood and insulin is released from the pancreas and says, Hey, let's, uh, let's shuttle some of that around where it needs to be. Now it's going to prefer to put that in the liver and the muscle if there's room for it. So if we've done work, like I said, you reached up there and grabbed it, there's a little bit of work, then it's going to shuttle it back to the muscle. Now, if we, after we eat that pickle, we also ate three pancakes and, uh, or three cupcakes and a box of, um, little Debbie's, um, there's a lot more sugar than the muscles needed and the liver needed to be replenished. And so it's going to take that now and say, well, we got to put this into a fat cell somewhere. And that's where insulin gets the bad reputation because it's, it's basically also helping you, um, build fat. And the reason it's doing that is to protect the brain. So our blood sugar has to stay within a certain range, just like our body temperature has to stay within a range and our blood pH has to stay within a range. Blood sugar needs to kind of stay within a range for us to remain healthy. And that's what insulin's supposed to do. That's what insulin's trying to help us do. So insulin's actually a superhero that is very misunderstood. Uh-huh. It's you know, supposed to be helping us have energy where we need it. And it's supposed to be protecting our brain from having excess energy and it does a, it does a pretty good job of that for a very long time. Uh, but through abuse and other issues that are going on with us, um, eventually insulin struggles, the whole process starts to break down and that's when you start getting insulin resistance and diabetes and all the other things that we struggle with. Um, it's just a breakdown of a, a system. The superhero can't be the superhero anymore and do the right things for us. So how does muscle help with insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity? Okay. So you've probably seen someone who has more muscle be able to eat a lot more and not gain weight. They just seem to need almost like they need more weight. They're not moving anymore. You guys both did the same walk, walk to the same restaurant, but they can eat twice as much as you for some reason or another. And they don't, they don't gain any weight or don't seem to. Um, what muscle does is muscle is energetic. It, it actually burns energy just existing, just to stay around it. It burns energy. And, and one of the reasons that's important is, um, by having the muscle, you're, you're basically telling your, your body, okay, there's plenty of energy. There's plenty of food. We're not starving out here. And, uh, we have this muscle and we can feed it. And so that excess energy is going to keeping that muscle And so any movement you do that walk that someone who has more muscle does, they're burning more energy just to do that walk, Uh, reaching for the pickles, rather, you know, even if it's not any heavier for them, they're still burning more energy, moving bigger muscles, more muscle. And so it literally creates a, a bigger fuel tank, if you will, for more of that glucose to become glycogen. And so insulin has a, a really cool place to put all this stuff, the right place to put this stuff. 
um, versus storing it as fat. So within the insulin perspective, it prefers and wants to put it in the liver and the muscle. If we have more bioactive muscle, that's burning more energy. That's making it easier for insulin to just do that wonderful superhero job instead of storing it as fat. And then what you don't end up with is this just onslaught of a continued blood sugar highs where insulin just, it just gives out, you know, it's a, it's a great superhero, but it's, it's not Superman or wonder woman. It, it's, it's just, it's going to wear out eventually it's going to struggle. And that's where we run into the problems with insulin resistance. So what we want is for have a little bit more muscle, not get big and huge and bulky. We don't need to do that, but, but more functional muscle so that all that system has a place to put the glycogen and the sugar that we do eat. So let's pull that apart because there was a lot of information in that uh, explanation. If we have better management of insulin, so if we have high insulin sensitivity, we can go down this pathway and say that it's protective against type 2 diabetes. It can be protective um, for heart health, for heart disease, because we know that high glucose can cause inflammation. It can cause clogging of the arteries. So muscle mass can help is protective of the heart. So we've got insulin sensitivity, diabetes, heart disease. Also in that link to diabetes, there is a, there is a solid strong link between type two diabetes and some forms of cancer. So so much that what have you what you have said can be thrown into overall health and chronic disease management. Do you think people are starting to understand this connection now? You know, I I I, I hope I, I I might be on a little island here, and I might hear what I want to hear. Uh, because I do surround myself with a lot of health and fitness experts and a lot of people that are really interested in this topic. And so I know within the circles that I communicate with, uh, yeah, we, we there's, there's this new recognition that sugar is not evil. Um, it's how we use it. And that if we're doing the right things for our body in other areas of our life, meaning we're, we're building a good structure of muscle mass, we're sleeping well, we're managing our stress. So we're doing these other things. Um, our body is better equipped to, to deal with maybe just a little excess sugar here and there. Um, they call it uh, metabolic flexibility. And so you build up a capacity to store more glycogen because you have a little bit more muscle. Um, that's a good thing. That means that the day that you decide you want that birthday cake, you, you can actually have a good place to put it because you did a good workout before. And so you're doing these things to burn the energy and build the maintain or build the muscle. And so just that work and having more muscle mass just puts you in a better place to manage your blood sugar better. Managing your blood sugar is really kind of the core to all of this. You know, if you don't have, if you have good blood sugar management, you don't have insulin problems, too much insulin, insulin resistance. Those things don't exist anymore. You don't have the ups and downs because your body can always manage that. And then, you know, all you talked about, all the chronic diseases, those are all being tracked back to blood sugar. If we can't you know, manage our blood sugar, we're, we're, that's where we are. And it's insulin, yeah, it does give up. But like I said, it's the superhero 
that just needs to not have to solve every crime. And we need the muscle mass in the background so the criminals have a place to go, if you will. And to bring it, you know, full circle for this half a show, you know, the thermogenic action of muscle can really help to burn fat. So if we just stick along that path that you talked about at the very beginning of the show about it's not too bad, you know, it's not a bad thing to want to look good. The development of muscle equates with the burning of fat, correct? Yes. Uh, someone who has more muscle uh, is going to effectively burn more calories throughout the day. Just every, even sleeping, you're, you're just going to burn more calories because muscle is active. Um, a lot of people think fat isn't active, but there is a bioactive part to your fat. Um, but that's not always good news. It's not nearly as bioactive as muscle. And a lot of what fat is doing is, is making you sicker. Uh, the the things that your the fat and your excess fat in your body's doing are shutting off a lot of good things in your body because if we're storing fat we're getting ready for something we're getting ready for some, a famine uh -huh. and that's when we would typically be storing fat in our bodies and and then we would go through a period where there wasn't a lot of food and then our bodies would thin out and so it was a cycle. Uh, but now you can walk into any grocery store in the world and eat all the carbs in the world. And that's never existed in the history of man. So we're just not designed to eat that way and then not have to move and hunt and do all the other things necessary you know, forage. We, we, those, that's hard work, uh, digging up roots, uh, climbing up trees to get fruit, um, wrangling a buffalo not easy stuff to do day in and day out. And so the walking and the working and the lifting and the carrying and the doing the things, we don't have to do that anymore because technology has taken those uh -huh. loads away from us and provided us with just this tremendous access to not just food, but a tremendous calorie load foods. And that, you know, again, the only solution we really have for ourselves is, is to manage what we eat. But then if we're doing things to build muscle and maintain muscle, we're giving our body the best opportunity to manage that for us when, when you decide you want that birthday cake. And, and to, you know, to put a pin on this for the, the first half of the show, you know, our skeletal muscle is a site of fat, fat oxidation. So when you're developing your skeletal muscle, when you've got sites of fat oxidation, again, there is that possibility there is that connection about maintaining proper lipoprotein levels cholesterol levels and triglyceride levels again pointing to heart health so so many reasons that we want to get into a program where we are at the very least not losing muscle mass and optimally increasing muscle mass. Everybody, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a few minutes to talk about uh, more and more things of concerning muscle and protein. Just a great conversation here. So do stick with us. Can't escape disappointment. Can't avoid the delay. But I don't have to make feeling down and defeated the place that I stay. Gonna rise to the moment. Gonna speak to the waves. 
Gonna push back the doubt that keeps dragging me down when I can't find a way. Don't need to see it. I saw you. Do believe it for my breakthrough before you even move on, make a way. I was standing there. Walk by. You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Alan Meisner. We're going to continue on with um, the importance of muscle and how to, you know, get into building it. So obviously we know that strength training, and we'll talk about that a bit later. I would really like to spend some time, Alan, here talking about uh, protein. Now we can talk about the other macros, how important they are to, you know, the overall development of health and muscle. 
But protein is something that you can talk to one practitioner and it's half a gram per pound. You talk to another practitioner and it's 1.2 grams per pound. You know, protein has come up as uh, promoting a certain disease. It's so all over the place. Where do you <laughs> land when it comes to, you know, over 40, building muscle, trying to be healthy? You know, we're not going for the bodybuilding yeah. type of uh, physique, but just for optimal health, where do you land on the um, recommended recommended amount of protein? Okay. Uh, first, I'll say neither one of them is wrong. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, and they both could be, could be right for you. But but if you take a step back and you think about what building muscle really is, there's there's three stages to it. Okay. And I'll go through each of the three real quick. Uh, one is the stimulus, meaning you do some work, you do some muscle work that that taxes the muscle and kind of stimulates it and says, oh, you did this work. Um, I need to get stronger because I don't want to get hurt next time you have to do this work. And Kathy, I don't know why you want to lift this thing, but you seem to want to lift this thing. You keep doing it. So I've got to get stronger. So that's the stimulus. You did enough work with enough weight and enough time for the muscle to say, I've got to grow. You provide it with enough materials. And we'll talk about the protein and that to do that, to say, okay, here's the building blocks that I need to get stronger. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate you eating those. And then it's the rest and recovery. So getting the sleep, taking some time before you do your, that workout again so that the muscle says, okay, you got time to build this up, get stronger. And the next time Kathy goes into the gym, I'm a little bit stronger. Now, you might not see that or feel that from one workout to the next, but over a period of time, you see the trend that the muscle's getting stronger. You'll probably notice that it's a little bit bigger. Over time, that takes a little bit longer to see, but you start seeing that improvement. So if we're stimulating, feeding, and resting and recovering, uh, we give the muscle everything it needs to optimize and grow. Now, you're right. We, we don't all want to be or need to be bodybuilders, and most of the bodybuilders that you see out there, uh, they're taking supplements uh, and things uh, that help them uh, for the recovery and the nutrition pieces uh, that you don't want to put in your body. Uh, so that's how they're able to put that much muscle on. It's, it's, uh, it's not natural. It's not normal. And so when you see a bodybuilder, just realize that they're doing things that are unnatural. That's not what you should be doing. So protein, like I said, if, if you have, if you're, if you're eating the right things and you've done the stimulus, your body's looking for the materials. Now, how much does it need? And the short answer is enough. So if you imagine a bricklayer wants to build a wall and you don't give it enough bricks, it's going to build until it runs out of bricks, right? Hmm. And then stop. They have to, there's no more bricks. I'll wait till they give me some more bricks. And then if I still need to do this building, I'll do it. And what you may notice if you're not getting enough protein is you go back into the gym and you just feel a little fatigued. Your workout's not quite as good. And you're like, I'm not lifting as much weight as I was the last workout. And then this is a trend. What's, what's happening that might mean you're not getting enough protein. Um, the, you can eat more protein than you need. Uh, there are some people that believe that could be a problem for your kidney. So if you do have mm -hmm. some kidney issues, you should talk to your doctor about if they want to put some kind of cap on the amount of protein that you can eat. But if you're generally a healthy person, there's no real cap to the amount of protein that you can eat. 
and and there you know but there is a bottom there's a bottom that says okay i need to have enough protein to rebuild everything in my body my my brain has some protein my muscles my bones everything in my body has some protein some amino acids to build it every enzyme in your body everything is all made out of fat and protein and so what we want to do is make sure we're feeding. And so that's where you're going to sit there and say now. So what I typically do with my clients is I say, let's look at what your, your best lean muscle mass would be. So for me, I'm, I'm five foot 11 and I should probably have a, at my age, 57 years old, I should probably have about 140 pounds of muscle mass for what would end up then being about 175, 185 pound frame total. Okay. So you look at the, you look at the fat percentage and say, okay, so Alan wants to be about 15% fat and, and, and the rest of it's got to be lean mass. So if I say 140, then what I would just do is I would start with one gram of protein for that muscle mass. So it's not what you weigh right now, but it's just an estimate. So if you get on a, a scale and it gives you the impedance and says, okay, you're 20% or 30% body fat, you can calculate backwards from your body weight to figure out how much of that is lean mass. And then you can be thinking about, well, I want to be this weight. And if I want to be that weight, that would be a normal weight, look good for me, feel good for me, be healthy. Then how much body fat would I have then? How much of that would be lean mass? So you can kind of come up for most of us, it's going to be somewhere between 75 grams. And like I said, probably about 150 uh -huh. to 200 grams, you know, big, you know, big, big guy, strong, big guy with muscles. He could easily be needing over 200 grams of protein per day. Um, that's not easy to do unless you're eating protein with almost every meal. Right. And that's where the struggle comes in for a lot of people is they're just not used to doing that or, you know, for, for other reasons, they want to go vegan or vegetarian and you can, you can get the protein vegan and vegetarian. It's harder. Um, and you may end up having to supplement with pea and rice proteins or mixes of that hemp proteins, things like that, just to get the protein if you're training hard. And that's the other kind of scale in this. If you're not going to the gym, that, that half a, half a gram per pound is, is probably just fine. Okay. Um, you know, but again, you're not building muscle, you're losing muscle, right? You're, you're on the aging curve. Sarcopenia is winning the battle. You're just watching this thing happen. And you're, you know, you're just like, Oh, we were going down this slide and it's not a slide you want to go down. Um, <laughs> but, uh, if you're trying to build muscle or maintain muscle, you're going to need more than that. So, so the something's like popped up. Sorry. I just want you to clarify here. So, uh, again, this could be myth. It could not be, but you know, people talk about the weight of muscle versus the weight of fat. So uh, the scale number may not be actually, uh, you know, pointing in the same direction of the look direction that you want to be in. Right. So yeah. can you use the scale necessarily as a, a good gauge of how much protein you need? Or are you using it like percentage wise? Um, I'm 30% body fat now. I want to change that. You know, my first goal is to get down to 25%. And then that's how you balance the protein intake. It's not directly yeah. pound for pound, right? No, no. Well, what it would be is okay. this. Okay. So let's just look at your math, right? You just said right there. Okay. So you're at 30% body fat and you want to get down to 20% body fat. So if I just threw out a number there and said, let's assume that's five pounds of fat. Okay. 
I don't, I haven't done any math, but that's five pounds of fat and you don't want to lose any muscle. So you look at what your muscle mass would be. If you say 30%, you take your weight and you multiply that weight by 70%. And that's how much of your weight is lean mass. Uh-huh. And you want to keep that lean mass. So that's your number. That's, that's the, that's your target number that you want to stay at. Now, again, then you would gauge it on your recovery and how well you feel. Uh, and you could go up and down and slide that up and down and find a good place because sometimes it's for some people, it's a little bit lower. Some people it's a little bit higher. It's just something you've got to experiment with. That's why I'm saying both of them are right, uh-huh. whether it's half or one and a half or two or whatever they want to say, they're not wrong. It's just under the circumstances that could be your number. Um, so I would just say is what, what just look at the easiest way I could say is look at what you want to weigh mm-hmm. and think of that as a top end target and then maybe subtract 20% of that and say, so let's say I want to, I want to weigh a hundred, I want to weigh 180 pounds. I could multiply that by 70% and that's my protein number. Okay. Now, you know, from when I became a nutritionist to now, you know, it was, everyone's getting enough protein. Protein is a macro that everyone's getting enough of not to worry. And that is not the case uh, with a lot of people as, you know, as time goes by, we realize that that may not necessarily be the case. Now, I think we've come down uh, when I started working out uh, a, a long time ago, it was eat as much protein as absolutely possible. And then it was a back away from it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I have two Two questions here for you before we end. Is there that window of opportunity to have protein for building muscle? There is um, a concept that you have to put protein into your system an hour after you work out. Is that correct? Uh, it depends. Um, okay. Are you are you a number one or number two Olympian weightlifting a bodybuilder guy or girl? that a couple extra ounces of muscle in your back or in your legs is going to make a difference. And for them, that extra ounce of muscle could Uh be the difference between number one and number two. Okay. So timing your protein, these guys, they'll set their alarm in the middle of the night to wake up and have protein. So you don't want to live your life around protein. Um, but the, the, the cool thing about the human body is, and, and this is, this is how we were brought up. We didn't have 24 seven access to food as, as you know, was, we were hunter gatherers. There's no refrigerator to go in there and say, you know, I gotta make myself a protein shake. Uh, there's no blender, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no protein powder. Um, and so what, what did we do? Well, we ate protein when protein was available. We ate fruit and vegetables when those were available, there were seasons, there were things we, we, we lived how we lived. We can look at the Hadza that are in Kenya right now and they hunt and they forage and they climb up trees and get honey. Um, and they walk a lot and they lift a lot. They're, they're very, very lean. So they're not building a ton of muscle, but they maintain their muscle mass almost their entire lives because they're lifting and carrying and moving and doing functional things that help them retain that muscle mass. They're not getting big, huge muscles, uh, but they're functional. 
functional muscles. If you gave them a pickle pickle jar, they could open it. (laughs) Okay. So Uh, for uh, functionality, not so important for muscle building, bulking, um, targeting muscle activity. If you say, yeah, if you sat there and said, I really need to put on about five pounds of muscle, then the answer would be absolutely uh, eat more protein. One of the things that protein does uh, when it gets in your system is it literally signals to your body, hey, I'm here. If you want to build more muscle, you can. Mm-hmm. Now, the other cool thing is those amino acids circulate through our system all the time. They're there. And we're constantly breaking down cells. And, you know, because there's basically our cells will will get too old and they'll die. And so our body will literally break them down and often into amino acids and fats and then make them available again. They mm-hmm. Recycle. There's a wonderful recycling process for cells in our bodies as long, again, as they're healthy and we're doing the right thing. Uh, this cell death puts more amino acids in our system. So there's always amino acids available. And then we do our lifting. And then the feeding can be whenever, you know, you eat when it's convenient to eat, you eat when you're hungry. Um, and, and if you center your meals around protein, you're typically going to be okay. Your body will communicate to you if you're not getting enough protein because your workouts and your recovery just won't quite be what you need it to be. So I do, a, if I do a really hard leg workout and I don't eat a lot of protein before over, you know, that day and the next day and the next day, when I go back in to do a really hard leg workout, I find I can't push as much weight. My, uh-huh. my legs have not recovered because I just didn't give them the building materials. The, the brick layer ran out of bricks and I didn't have enough to build that muscle back before that time. And I just know my next workout is not going to be as good. So I'm like, I probably need to up my protein. I up my protein a little bit. And then my next workout is just fine. I've got my new number and that's what I try to target. So it's, it's really paying attention because your body is, it's, it's, it's really this incredible thing. It's always talking to you. It's always telling you what you need. Um, and with protein, it's no different. If you, if you need more protein, your body's going to tell you, I'm not recovering. You're trying to do this heavy stuff, Kathy. And I don't understand why, but you need to, and I need to help you do it. I need more protein to make that happen. So please eat a little bit more protein. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, just as, as an aside here, um, you talked about going into the gym, not being able to lift the weight that you did before. Uh, I started um, Olympic weightlifting. Uh, I have a couple guests on the show and they really inspired me. So I started Olympic weightlifting and I definitely wasn't eating enough protein. And it it manifested in like daily tiredness. And then what started happening was I couldn't sleep. And it was actually my, and I'm thinking, okay, I must, I, I must be wired, whatever it is. I can't sleep. I don't know. I, and my daughter said to me, have you increased your protein since you started doing this? And I was like, no, no, I have not. And it, it just, <laughs> you know, here's, and it's so easy to do, Alan, you know, I'm a nutritionist. I, you know, it, it's not my area of expertise, but I should know, right. It's so easy to let things like that slip. So, you know, to point out the fact that fatigue could be a sign of a lack of protein, lack of sleep, 
uh, or the ability to sleep could be another sign of, you know, a lack of protein building in your system. And, you know, to go beyond muscle, muscle development and so forth, protein is also really essential for um, your immune system. So uh, if you're, if you're fighting disease, things like that. And, and what you said, I think was so important is that as you're starting to scale things up, you really do have to pay attention to the cues that your body is giving you. And, you know, protein could just be one really quick, easy fix that might not come in into your, your head right away. Yeah. It's hard to see until you really just kind of break it down and think about it. But mm-hmm. here's, here's what I would, here's how I would say was probably inside your body is uh, whenever we do exercise, any kind of exercise, the reason it does what it does, that stimulus I talked about, that's basically a stressor, but it's what we call a hormetic stressor, meaning it's a stressor that can make you stronger if you give your body what it needs to get stronger. And so we do a stressor. Now, what was happening was you were doing this new activity and you were adding that stressor and your body was like, okay, well, I'm stressed, but I don't have the bricks I need to do this. And so now stress, this was actually adding to your other stresses. So it's cute. Stress is cumulative. These hermetic stressors are, are good if they're, if they're fed and they're rested and they're doing the things they're supposed to. But when we get out of balance and we add this stressor to the stress we already have, now our body's like, okay, I don't have what I need. I need to shut things down. We need to stop her from doing this Olympic lifting until we figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. And so you might see it in your workouts, but you, like you said, it's very easy for you to see that stress and that thing happening in other aspects of your life. Um, and then that makes it even that much harder to track back to protein because you're like, well, how does protein affect my sleep? Well, it's, it's affecting your stress level which is affecting your sleep. And, and, you know, to put, uh, to cross that T uh, just before we end the show today, that could be one reason why people give up a little easier if they are not doing all the pieces to build muscle. And it's very important to have all those pieces because if you're waking up tired and if you're, you know, you're going into the gym and you're feeling defeated and it's, has a lot to do with other lifestyle things, including nutrition, simply attending to that and having a knowledge of that and having, you know, the the right questions to ask can really make you more motivated and more able to stick with your exercise routine. Everybody, we are going to have a part two to this show, um, maybe a part three. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we're out of time for today, but part two, we're going to talk about how to properly develop muscle. Uh, So everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
here on Radio Maria Canada.